Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, my name is Zach. You can find me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, Anthony Perry. Anthony, let the folks know where they can find you, and uh, how you doing tonight? What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Niners Faithful? This is uh, your boy, Anthony. And uh, to find me on social media, it's always Twitter, be Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. Let's get going with the Niners, man. This is going to be really exciting to talk about. Yeah, and uh, without you know further ado, let's get right into it. The 49ers played Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night, as we all know, and it was a nail-biter. It was definitely closer of a game than we had predicted, and there was a lot to get into. Um, first things first, just like last week, uh, we kind of summarized the Panthers-Niners game in one sentence. If you could use one sentence to summarize the 49ers-Cardinals game, which sentence would you use? This Niners game against the Cardinals is probably, honestly, in my opinion, the most stressful Niners game all season. And that's even even more so than the Pittsburgh game with the five turnovers. Yeah, it was uh, kept you on the edge of the seat, edge of your seat, that's for sure. If I had to use one sentence, I think I would go with uh, exhilaratingly concerning (laughs) and that's not even a full sentence but that's just all my mind could think of at the time um and you know we all know why but let's get in it we could break it down right now um as we know they won a tight game they only won by three points uh they won 28 to 25 and it went down to the last last minute pretty much uh what do you think was more likely anthony that the 49ers defense was having a bad game or was the Cardinals offense really just having a good game, or is that just how they are, and they're they're just having their way with this 49ers defense? To be honest, I kind of felt like that the Cardinals were having their way with the Niners defense. Now, I know that the, Car- or the Niners got three sacks, and that looks pretty good, but there were a lot more on the table if Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Kyler weren't getting off those uh, short checkdowns the whole time. And I think that was just something that was really hurting the Niners, you know? And uh, short checkdowns are generally something that should, for the most part, be easy to cover. But it just seemed like Sala and the whole defense was just, I don't know, I felt like they were getting mixed up between the whole, uh, you know, short, quick passes and then the Kenyon Drake uh, draw play. And that's how most of the game really felt, is just draw plays and short passes. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that, the Cardinals only passed like three or four deep balls because Kyler Murray did have a few good throws, but the vast majority of the game was just checkdowns and draws. And I think as a fan, and I can only imagine as a player, that's got to be so frustrating because that was 90% of the Cardinals' game plan, and for most of the night, it felt like the Niners couldn't really stop it. Yeah, and if you would have told me going into Thursday night that one newcomer would have, you know, a a really good game I definitely Kenyon Drake wouldn't even have been on my mind obviously we talked about the fact that the Cardinals had acquired him uh leading up to the game however I didn't think he was going to have as big of an impact as he he had on the game and to answer the question uh I think it was a little bit of both to be honest with you I think it was a little bit of both the 49ers defense um when the first drive happened and the Cardinals were driving right down the field um, I kind of sat back and I took a deep breath and I said, you know what, looking back at each game this season, they don't really come out of the gate firing on all cylinders. They they kind of take, you know, a couple drives, possibly even a whole quarter to, to get to, you know, to get gelling and to get playing tight. So when it kind of continued, that's when I started to get a little concerned and started thinking, okay, maybe they're off tonight. It is a short week, um, you know, so and, and, and on the, on the flip side. The Cardinals team, you know, coming into it, they had won, I believe, three out of the last four. And you could argue that they didn't beat good teams, but however, they themselves aren't a good team. So the fact that they had been recently finding a way to win, um, I think speaks to them growing as a team. And, you know, a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback, they were making some good plays. And I think um, Kyler Murray's heck of a talent. that He likely will have a bright future in the NFL. And I think that he was showcasing what he could do on Thursday night. Um, moving on to 
something a little more serious. Unfortunately, speaking, you know, we're in the 49ers defense. One of the main captains of the defense is linebacker Quan Alexander. And, you know, the 49ers signed him this offseason to a, a big contract. Everybody kind of judged John Lynch for doing so. However, it, looking into it halfway through the season, it was obviously the right choice. The guy was playing really, really good football, and he provided a spark. That was kind of one of the major positive aspects of his, his presence. Unfortunately, during the game, he tore his uh, pectoral, and it was announced today that he'll be out for the rest of the season. How much does this affect the 49ers defense, Anthony? Is it going to be a huge loss? Um, and in w- what type of way? I think that now, now that Quan is, uh, you know, officially out, I think Sala and the coaching staff will be able to adjust. It's, uh, it's not going to be easy though. And I think that was noticeable right away in, uh, week one against Tampa Bay. When Quan Alexander got ejected for that kind of 50-50 hit against James Winston, you just felt the entirety of the defense just not collapse, but it really felt like they just softened up. And, you know, I won't be surprised if that's noticeable for the rest of the season. Now, I'm not saying I don't believe in our linebackers because at this point, uh, Fred Warner is a Mike linebacker, Dre Greenlaw is going to play Sam. And Quan Alexander in this defense was primarily playing the will position, and that's likely going to get filled either by Aziz Alshair or uh, Elijah Lee. And I do believe in both of them, but nowhere near do those guys have the same amount of talent that Quan Alexander does. You know, what's one of Quan Alexander's best skill sets is his speed. His, uh, you know, honestly, his tackling this season was pretty damn good, you know, compared to previous years. So he's a really rangy athlete that can just cover so much ground. And I don't believe that Elijah Lee or Aziz Shire can uh, do the same. I do believe they have the talent to succeed and uh, play very well in this defense. But essentially they're going to come into week nine against Seattle and this is going to be like damn, damn near like their rookie year. I mean, you know, either guy is going to make their first career start. They're going to bite on play action. They're going to overrun tackles. They're going to fail to fill gaps. And uh, it's just going to look ugly for the f- first few weeks. But I do think that they can get it together. I do believe that, again, the coaching staff is one of the best in the league. Salah, Joe Woods, Chris Kosierik, the linebackers coach, all these guys know what they're doing. And uh, Aziz Alshair looked really good in the preseason. And Elijah Lee did too. I think he played. So the Niners are going to be uh, – they're still going to be competitive. They're still going to have a top 10 defense, in my opinion. But I think we're going to see a lot more big plays and a lot more, uh, I guess, just failed coverage, if you will, that uh, Quan Alexander generally wouldn't allow. Yeah, I mean, you kind of covered it all there. He um, he's going to His impact is going to be missed on multiple levels. Uh, like I said, when I was asking the question, the guy is not only a leader on the field, however in the locker room and just uh, the, the energy that he brings to this defense, he really, really sparks them. He gets them hyped and it's going to be a real challenge for them to overcome, you know, yet another significant injury. I think they're capable of doing it. However, like you said, their defense is going to take probably a noticeable decline in certain areas. Um, tackling, although I, I, had, I was reading some stats today showing that, Quan had actually missed a good amount of tackles, uh, I think, in the last five weeks. And that was one of his knocks, I think, in Tampa as well. However, uh, you know, he had been playing really good football and paired with Fred Warner. People were, you know, arguably making a case that the Niners had the best linebacker, inside linebacker duo in the NFL. So his presence is going to be missed. Um, like you said, either Drake Greenlaw, Elijah Lee, um, or Alshair are going to step up. And I like their chances. I think they'll be able to, to play, you know, excuse me, play pretty well. I don't think they're obviously going to play to the level that Quan was playing at. However, they're guys that, that you know, are pretty familiar with the system. Uh, Greenlaw is a rookie. However, he, he looked okay on Thursday night. He was biting on play action a little too much. However, you know, these are rookie mistakes. They're going to they're gonna make these mistakes and they'll, they'll learn from it and they'll get better. So... It's going to definitely be a noticeable impact on the defense not having Quan out there. However, you know, good things overcome, good teams, excuse me, overcome adversity con- constantly. 
So this team has been able to just roll with the punches so far. And, you know, I think that they're, they're, I mean, they have no other choice but to continue rolling with the punches. So that's what they're going to have to do. Keeping on uh, the topic of the defense, like we said, it definitely wasn't their best game of the season. They gave up, you know, 25 points to the Cardinals, one of the, you know, you could say lower level teams in the NFL. What do you, what stood out to you the most that they were doing badly? You know, at the start of the season, I think one of the big things I talked about, not on this podcast, uh, you know, with our guys, is that if the Niners really want to prove to us that they are going to be good defense, they need to limit the big plays. And uh, Kenyon Drake had a career day. He had a couple 40-yard carries, I believe, or, uh, you know, he just moved the ball very well all night long. Obviously, Andy Isabella's 88-yard touchdown, that shouldn't have happened. I mean, you know, I don't know why Emmanuel Mosley is trying to reach for the ball. He wasn't in a good position to begin with. And uh, ultimately, that's just, you know, it's a rookie mistake. It's not something that defines who he is as a player because he's been playing lights out. Um, I think, you know, if you take away Andy Isabella's uh, 88-yard run, or catch, excuse me, and you even limit Kenyon Drake a little more, Arizona's offense did not play that well on the night. Like I said earlier, Arizona was relegated to short checkdowns and draw plays, and that can only carry that can only carry an offense so far. So, for the most part, I do think the Niners' defense did look good, but you know, in that second half, towards the end of the game, it's just you could tell that the defense was just tired, man. You could tell that those guys looked like they had played two games in back-to-back days. But I think the way they played overall. And the fact that they did stay in it for damn near the whole game is a testament to their adversity and just how well prepared they are. I mean, you got to think about it. The Niners had very little time to watch game film on Arizona. They barely had time to walk through and practice. I think they only got uh, one full practice in during the week, maybe two. And when you're preparing for a team like Arizona, who primarily just throws the ball and Kyler Murray scrambles and stuff like that, it's not easy to just, you know, basically go in, a, <laughs> go into the game raw dog and hope you can pull out. It's just the defense overall just they, – they impressed me for the most part. It, like I said, though, it was still rough to see them get exposed at times. But if you consider all the circumstances, they, they damn near held their own, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I thought they played – an all right game. They definitely could have been better in certain areas. Um, they were off on a lot of angles that touchdown to Isabella. Um, I think it was Sherman. And if I if I remember correctly, uh, Jimmy Ward, who were kind of in the, in the secondary, I could be wrong. However, they both kind of forced ran in front of him, try and force him out of bounds or go the tackle. And nobody took the inside lane and to watch out for the cutback. And that's exactly what Isabella did. As soon as they were both in front of him or to the right of him, he hit that that lane, that cutback lane, back to the inside of the middle of the field, and he was gone. So, you know, that that was a horrible angle that they took. That could have been improved on. Um, Fred Warner dropped a would-be pick six. Uh, that That's, you know, there's nothing you could do to teach that. That's just uh, something that they definitely could have improved on. And, you know, just, just tackling overall, I felt like they were just bouncing off of Kenyon Drake. And it was giving me, I know we've said before, but flashbacks to the to the previous Niners team of, of yesteryear or two years ago when they were, you know, worst in the league at tackling. And it, it's not what we've seen from this team through the previous seven games leading up to last night. So it kind of it kind of shocked me. And I wasn't sure if it was just because of the short week or if they were just having a bad game. Um, but it, it was it was definitely noticeable that they weren't. You know, they weren't at their full potential and the Cardinals were able to kind of put up a good fight. And, you know, hey, give credit to the Cardinals because they were playing well, too. It wasn't only the the uh, 49ers defense that was playing well. They were playing or playing badly. Excuse me. The Cardinals were playing well. So it was a little bit of both. Like I said earlier, that was going into the equation here. Um, now that you said what you thought stuck out negatively, what did they do well? What stuck out positively about the 49ers defense and their performance on Thursday night? They played 
it, you know, considering what I just said, it's going to be kind of funny, but honestly, they played like four and a half good quarters of football. Um, the first half was just, you know, other than the Kenyon Drake touchdown, it was just clamp city all first half. I mean, Kyler Murray was getting pressured. The check down game wasn't really working. The defense was getting pretty good run stops. So you watch how they play in the first half and they only hold Arizona to what a touchdown. And then it's like, okay, this is the type of defense we're going to expect for the whole game. And then the second half comes around and then they give up big plays. The yardage is starting to come a lot easier for Arizona. Kyler Murray is starting to feel himself. And it was like, oh, my God, these guys are re- really going to blow it. But at the end of the day, they won the game and they didn't. You know, I mean, they just holding Arizona to, uh, you know, just relegating them to not score any points on their last drive. I mean, that was just, I mean, I don't know. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach. He looks like he's going to be a good coach. But he has made questionable decisions all season, and obviously his clock management was really bad. And you see stuff like that, and it's like the Niners better go out there and take advantage of it. And I felt like with the checkdowns and the draw plays that sometimes during the game, Salah and Co. were really just taking advantage of how uh, how Arizona was running their offense. I mean, we saw some pretty nice damn pass breakups from Richard Sherman. I think E-Man had a pass breakup. Uh, K1 might have two, the linebackers. The defense was very physical. They played very physical football all night long. And, you know, again, coming off a short week, I can't imagine what those guys are going through to just play as hard as they were and I be as exhausted as they were. So overall, pressure got to Kyler Murray pretty well. I think the Niners could have came away with more sacks, but uh, I digress. I will take three sacks all day long. and. um you know, Arizona scored 25 points, but I don't think that's really the whole story. Because, again, Andy Isabella's long touchdown could have been negated, or that could have been uh, held to just whatever it would have been, 20. You know, Warner could have had a pick six. And it's just stuff like that that you see that could have just inflated the Niners score entirely, and Arizona's offense just no one really bats an eye about it. So, overall, though, the defense was very impressive given the circumstances. I do wish they could have cl- they could have clamped it down better, but I'm gonna keep coming back to it, man. The circumstances are really just there for the Niners, and they overcame a lot of adversity. And I would say they faced just as much adversity within themselves as they did against Arizona. About the same, in my opinion. Yeah, it's funny you say that. It actually uh, reminded me of the Washington Redskins game when they were battling through the weather just as much as they were battling the Redskins. So they were going, you know, they're dealing with injuries almost immediately. Uh, Eric Armstead got injured and then Quan Alexander, um, he left, I think relatively early in the game. I can't, I can't really remember exactly actually, but they were dealing with injuries to players and they were still finding ways to overcome it. So, uh, as far as what they did well, what I thought they did well during the game, I thought for the most part, they did a good job at making Kyla Murray's day very, very shaky and very uh, – he was just con- consistently getting pressure to him. They didn't uh, capitalize all the way – all the time, obviously. Uh, he said they only got three sacks. However, for the most part, he was constantly bling- being flushed out of the pocket, uh, rolling around. There was one play where uh, Kyla Murray, he was trying to back up, back up, and, and escape the pressure. He ended up losing like 19 yards or something like that, and then he ended up just taking the sack anyway. So the 49ers defense, they did a good job at getting home to Kyler Murray. Um, they could have gotten, obviously, like I said, a couple interceptions here and there. However, they had some really good pass breakups, and... I, I thought, you know, they, they had an all right game, but there were definitely some things that they they should be proud about. Um, moving on to the offense, who was kind of the, the, the star of the night, specifically Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, it was definitely Jimmy's best game of the year. Uh, Kyle said, I, I think he said it was his best game yet with the 49ers. Um, what do you think allowed him to play the way that he played on Thursday night? I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is just listening to all the haters. 
I, you know, he hardly ever checks his social media, it looks like. But, uh, you know, I don't know if the coaches were letting him have it. I don't know if his players were letting him have it, that this dude is just getting slammed all season for uh, not having the quote-unquote big game that everyone's been wanting from him. And uh, Lord and behold, four touchdowns, what, 283 yards? Completed 69% of his passes, 70% of his passes. The guy was playing lights out. And it was a game where the run game couldn't get going for crap. I mean, Arizona looked like they had a top five run defense, and I couldn't believe it. I heard in the coming weeks to this game that Arizona's run defense was playing well, but I didn't expect them to really just shut down the run all night long. And you hear about it all season, how uh, Kyle Shanahan's pass game is pretty much predicated on the run game. And the fact that the run game couldn't get going, and yet here we are with Jimmy Garoppolo having a career day, I just, the guy was playing like something pissed him off. And I mean, he dished out touchdown passes to Bourne, Sanders, Pettis, and uh, Kittle. I mean, Kittle's nasty run. But I mean, that's four different guys catching touchdown passes. And I think six or seven guys on the night caught a ball, period. So Jimmy Garoppolo must have ate his Wheaties that morning or something because he was just, he was playing like a man on a mission. And if Jimmy Garoppolo can even be half of that all season, which he's been arguably, but I mean, to be that clutch on third down and to be that consistent throughout the whole game, the NFL might might as well just hand the Niners the Super Bowl now because that was that's the best football he's played as a Niner all season. And the thing that I was so happy about was that we've heard all season, like you said, listening to the haters, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is this team's weakness. Uh, the 49ers are going to lose when the game is on Jimmy's arms, when the game's on his shoulders, and he's not going to be able to come through for this team. And, you know, the Niners weren't able to get their running game going. I think Brita had like a 30-yard run or something like that. But besides that, the majority of the runs were stopped for, you know, three to four-yard gains, no gains, one-yard loss. So it was um, it was a rough day on the ground. And the 49ers really, really needed to pick up yards and pick up first downs with on through the air, especially towards the end of the game there, where they it was you know vital that they picked up the first down to win the game. And who came through clutch? None other than Jimmy Garoppolo. And the guy had you know a 92.1 QBR, damn near perfect, 75.7 completion percentage, 317 pass yards, and four touchdowns. Um, I think they said that that was the first time that somebody has thrown the first time quarterback for the 49ers had thrown for 300 yards and four touchdowns since Jeff Garcia. And the first quarterback that had thrown for four touchdowns since, uh, Colin Kaepernick did it back in new England. So the, it was, it was a rare sight for, especially for 49ers fans. And I heard, um, Stephen a talking this morning about how, you know, these numbers aren't, he didn't do anything that was unheard of. He didn't do anything that no other quarterback has done and that's not the point the point is that all season long people had been telling him he can't do this it's not even possible for Jimmy to do this uh so you got to look at it in context when they're telling him he can't do it he comes out and does it and arguably even better he didn't throw any interceptions which is fantastic given how we know how he's a little risky with his passes um he didn't throw he didn't turn the ball over uh the whole team actually didn't turn the ball over so it's it's great to see that he's able to do it and he's able to come out there. You can argue that it's against the Cardinals. However, the fact that he's able to do it regardless is is, you know, point point withstanding. So I think the fact that what what allowed him to do this, going back to the original question, is his hard work. It it, it goes no no other no further than his hard work, his determination. We hear from all of the players, all of the guys. Jimmy's the first one in, the last one out. He's throwing passes with the wide receivers after practice. You know, the, the just the the ultimate pro, the pros pro. So his work ethic, and the coaching staff, and the addition of Manuel Manuel Sanders, I think all of these factored into allowing him to have his best game of his his career. So I think it's it's a sign of things to come. And not only that, I think it's uh, a little bit of a warning to the rest of the NFL that we can beat you multiple ways. We are not a one-dimensional team by any means. So, 
Zach, I will, hold on before before you finish. I will tell you right now that that game that Jimmy Garoppolo played last night was arguably the biggest. Look at me. This is what I have to offer. The NFL needs to be ready. Jimmy Garoppolo in that game, I don't care if it's the Cardinals. I don't care that they don't have a good pass defense. I don't care about this and that and blah, blah, blah. Jimmy G just whooped their butt straight up. I'm sorry. I mean, the whole night, Jimmy Garoppolo was just clutch pass, clutch pass, fantastic touchdown pass. I mean, he arguably could have had five, or I don't know if that was the same drive on the one Debo dropped. And it's like... This dude is, you know, making everything happen with the ball in his hands. And, I mean, the Cardinals were in some situations where they were playing the pass. And yet, Jimmy Garoppolo played his ass off. The out route to Emmanuel Sanders where Shanahan was talking about how they hardly practiced that play all week. It was beautiful. was probably the – oh, God. It was the best throw of the game. It was arguably the best throw I've seen since – uh Garoppolo completed that touchdown to Dante Pettis week one of his ACL year. That's how good that pass was. And it's just, you look at how Garoppolo plays like that, and keep in mind too, the offensive line, both in pass protection and run protection, were bad all night long. I felt like the Cardinals were getting a good amount of pressure on Jimmy G, and the fact that he is making all these throws right with pressure in his face, no problem for him. Zero problems. The guy has the it factor. He definitely has that I am the man, believe in me because I will make it happen mentality. Yeah, no, he definitely does. And there were two throws in particular. Actually, I want to say three throws that really, really stuck out to me from Jimmy Garoppolo's night. Uh, The first one was uh, third down, and it was to Emmanuel Sanders to the left side of the field. Uh, Right when Emmanuel Sanders broke on his route, the ball was there. Bam! Right in his right in his you know bread basket. He just there was no possible way for him to drop that. He'd have to have his hands amputated in order to not catch that pass. And even Emmanuel Sanders said post game, it's hard to not come through like that when the quarterback is able to put it right there. He goes, I didn't know Jimmy could do that. Now that I know Jimmy can do that, you know, let let's get to work. Uh, second, the one that stood out to me was the touchdown pass to Kendrick Bourne. That was a tight window, man. That was a super tight window, and he fitted in there perfectly in between, you know, I think two or three defenders right in the middle of the end zone, and then, um, you know, he got he got the score, obviously. And then the last one, like you said, was the, the out route to, to Manuel Sanders for the touchdown, and that was on, on fourth down if we're, if we're thinking of the same play. So that was just a hell of a hell of a pass, and... Well, you know, while we're talking about this, what was Cliff Kingsbury thinking calling that timeout after, you know, he let he let his defense go out there. He let them line up. He let the 49ers see what they were about to do. And then he calls a timeout right before they snapped the ball. What was he thinking? No idea what was going on with that play. I, I don't know if he just saw something in the Niners offense that he didn't like. I don't know if he was just being too cautious. I was listening to a podcast. Oh, was it a podcast? No, it was on Twitter. I forgot. I forgot what I saw, but they had said that Cliff Kingsbury iced his own defense, <laughs> and I couldn't think how much more true that was. But it was really true. You know, fourth and fourth and goal. I mean, damn near fourth and one. The defense gets a stop, and of course he calls a timeout. I, you know, even at that point in the game, the Cardinals' run defense was playing very well. And to call a timeout like that, especially considering that the Niners still relatively struggle in the red zone this season, I just, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know. Ultimately, though, it was a blessing in disguise. The Niners got the touchdown to Sanders, and they went into the half with, what, a 14-point lead? So it really was a big old blessing. But at the same time, you got to question that coaching call because that was just definitely not one of his best decisions throughout the game yeah not at all um whoever the the sideline reporter for the cardinals i can't remember if it was christina pink or, or aaron andrew i think it was christina pink but when they came out of halftime they were talking to her and they she said you know yeah some of the cardinals players were visibly upset and and questioning the decision to call the timeout and i i couldn't believe it i just couldn't believe you you 
you did that to your own defense and you said it perfectly. He iced his own defense. He should have allowed them. He should have trusted in them that they were going to make the right choice and, and play, play their assignments correctly because that's exactly what they did. Had he have allowed that play to run, run out, you know, they would have gotten the ball back and yeah, they would have been backed up against their own end zone. However, it's six points, seven points off the board for the 49ers going into halftime. So it, it, it was just a an insane you know, fortunate or a series of events for the 49ers. But man, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, going back to Jimmy Garoppolo, do you think his performance last night silences the, the critics and the doubters? Or do you think it wasn't enough? The critics shouldn't have even been talking to begin with. If they were really like analysts, like most of them quote, say they are, they'd realize that Jimmy Garoppolo has been extremely successful on third down. And, like I said, his stats may not show it, but when the guy has to throw on third down, when the guy has to throw when it matters, he can freaking do it. So, again, the fact that these guys are even talking to begin with is just malarkey. It's it's just – there's no – there's I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how they can say that Jimmy G has no talent, Jimmy G isn't the guy, and the fact that they can even argue that as a point is absolutely ridiculous. So – I don't care if it's the Cardinals. I don't care that they don't have a good pass defense. I don't care that they're still rebuilding, blah, blah, blah. Jimmy G proved yesterday that he can carry a team if he needs to. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has another performance like that again this season. Yeah, it, it wouldn't come to my, my surprise at all either. I think um, he's very capable. I think he's a very, very smart player. I think he... Um, like we've said multiple times, he can be a little risky. Um, however, Kyle said he, he'd rather have a player, a quarterback specifically, go out there and, and take chances and trust his arm than somebody who plays it too conservatively. That he's had quarterbacks like that in the past, and he'd much rather have uh, the former than the latter. So um, as far as silencing the doubters, I completely agree. They, there shouldn't have been any to begin with. They act like this is the first first eight game stretch that Jimmy Garoppolo has ever played as a starter. Um, what we saw from him last season before he tore his ACL and the season before that, his first five starts um, was very, very promising. You could argue uh, last season, he wasn't, he wasn't feeling it yet. He wasn't, you know, at the top of his game, whatever. But I think that had the season been allowed to progress with him as a starter, he would have gotten consistently better. And, he obviously wasn't allowed he wasn't given that opportunity however now that he's back this season he's getting healthier each game as week by week and he's getting more comfortable under center I think that he is going to be a, a franchise quarterback for the 49ers for years to come and I think that last night's performance was just a sign of things to come um, unfortunately there will still be doubters there will still be people like Stephen A who will say uh, anybody could have done that against the Cardinals defense or it wasn't anything spectacular. Um, but I think he proved that he could put his a team on his back and win, just like you said. Um, so real quick, the 49ers last night were 11 for 17 on third downs and one for one on fourth down. It was that, that one um, fourth and goal pass to Emmanuel Sanders that we talked about did that surprise you that they're so efficient? And uh, what what do you think was the main reasoning behind them being so successful on third down? You know, I felt like throughout the night that, you know, a lot of people talk about how bad the pass defense is for Arizona and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Well, for the most part, I didn't think Arizona's pass defense was too bad. Patrick Peterson was definitely off. He was not playing like himself. But... Guys like Buda Baker weren't making plays. You know, even Jordan Hicks, a terrible cover linebacker, was in there making some plays. And you look at that and you think, man, the Niners might just struggle. Nah, I think that Jimmy G just – it. I really felt like Kyle Shanahan's play calling was good. But as is football, it takes execution to make things work. And Jimmy G, I just – he was executing on almost everything that was given in front of him. And yeah, you'll see a couple throws here and there. Everyone talks about that Jimmy G will make that were questionable. But 
on the whole night, I think there's only one throw that I didn't really like from Jimmy G, and I think that was just a double-covered George Kittle. And, of course, he's going to force it to George Kittle. I mean, he's good for that. But Jimmy G was efficient. Jimmy G was effective. And especially passing on third down, Jimmy G was just lethal. I think I saw a stat that said Jimmy G is completing 70% of his passes on third down alone, or 80%. Some in crazy, in crazy, insane stat. And it's like, you have a quarterback here who, just because he's not putting up the numbers, doesn't mean he's being clutch. Because he is making every play count. He is making the throws he needs to. He's not putting the team in bad situations. And look at this, too. It's another game without a Jimmy G interception. And the less of those we get, really the better chance we have of the Niners winning. And, you know, with the exception of maybe last night with how tired the defense was, even when Jimmy G throws a pick, the defense has more often than not picked him right up. And then one more thing on that, too. Jimmy G throws an interception. It happens. He goes back out there and leads a touchdown drive, or he leads points. The guy just doesn't care about anything that happened previously. He goes out there, he plays football, and he executes better than almost any quarterback in the league. Yeah, and you, you spoke about uh, Jimmy G and the George Kittle double double coverage throw real quick. Just talking about, while you brought up George Kittle, it reminded me. The guy had an absolute dogfight with Buda Baker last night. And uh, I think George Kittle came out on top. Obviously, he had that that get off me moment where he was able to to stiff arm Buda Baker. It was funny when he was going over in the the Thursday night football post game set. They showed him the play, and they they kind of said that you know he got him twice because he got him once with a, a juke cut, and then towards the back end of the play he got him again with that stiff arm, and he just threw him to the ground. And then he ran into the end zone and then they show him on the sideline and he's yelling, you know, I'm still here, Buddha. I'm not going anywhere, you know. So that I just thought that was amazing to see George Kittle injured and he still um, still was, you know, balling out. So that, that was cool. Uh, do you think um, we talked about Kyler Murray a little bit earlier? Do you think that there will be some really, really tough shootouts uh, in the next years to come between Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyler Murray? Yeah. I think so. I think that the Niners' defense is going to be dominant for quite a few years, even if Salah leaves. But, you know, as long as Kingsbury is with the Cardinals and uh, he's just calling plays for that team, I think Arizona can really be a 25 to 30 point, t- uh, 30 point per game team. Kyler Murray has incredible arm talent. The guy can make throws on the run. And just absolutely throw a missile. And we saw that last night. And you see things like that happen. And it's like, how do you stop this guy? Obviously, the Niners' pass rush kind of prevented Kyler Murray from really throwing the ball. But in any in that, uh, you know, in any case, Kyler Murray is in a type of offense that just requires a gunslinger. And Kyler Murray is obviously a gunslinger. You know... You can have a really good defense, still allow, say, 24 or 30 points. And I know it, kind of, it sounds kind of silly, but you can allow that many points and still say you play good defense. You know, you get into a game that's like 40 to 30, 38 to 30. And if the Cardinals score on five of those eight possessions, well, then those three possessions that were stops were arguably the most important possessions of the game most important stops of the game. So I think even as a rookie, Kyler Murray is very impressive. He still has a lot to work on, but the guy is going to be a top quarterback at some point in his career. And I think what happened on Thursday night, even on short rest, even with both of these teams tired, is clearly an early indication that these two teams are going to be going neck and neck in a matter of even a year or two. Yeah, um, Kyler Murray, the guy is insanely talented. He's got a hell of an arm. Uh, he's, a uh, you know, a, a dual athlete. We saw him, you know, get drafted by the Oakland A's. He was debating going pro in baseball before he decided to go with football. Um, so the guy is extremely athletic. He can do it with his legs. He can do it with his arms. Uh, he, he appears to be super smart from everything I've, I've heard of the guy. And 
I think that there will be definitely shootouts for years to come in the NFC West. Um, you know, you look at all four quarterbacks and you're thinking maybe Jared Goff is the worst quarterback in, in the league. And, you know, maybe some people will say it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Others will say it's Kyler Murray. I don't think anybody's going to say it's Russell Wilson. However, the NFC West looks like it's got probably the four the, the the four teams with the best quarterbacks in one division in the whole NFL. I don't know of any four to uh, four teams in one division that have as good of level of quarterbacks that the NFC West has. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see. And, you know, it's not going to be, we we've talked about it already that the NFC West is the best division in football. However, as Kyler Murray continues to grow, as Jimmy Garoppolo continues to grow, uh, if if the Rams can get Jared Goff some help, uh, maybe somebody to kind of help supplant Todd Gurley or if Todd Gurley can uh, somehow, I know he's got his knee injuries. That's not going to something he's going to get over. However, if they're able to possibly even trade him or I'm not sure what the case is, but Jared Goff, he, he he's proven this year that he needs somebody in the backfield uh, that's kind of, you know, top talent in order to be successful. So depending on how that shapes out, I think the NFC West is going to have it's each game is each division game is not going to be a gimme game. That's for sure. We're looking at this season. We had circled the Arizona game as somewhat of a, a walk in the park, essentially of the, Oh, the 49ers. That's an easy dub. I don't think it's going to be like that for years to come. Uh, even the next game they have in a couple weeks, it's going to be a tough game. It's not going to be a for sure win. So it's definitely going to be some shootouts uh, for the future for these two quarterbacks specifically. I laugh at myself when uh, I make predictions like 44 to 26, like I predicted the score. And then they go out there and throw 28 to 25. And it's like, oh, man, this is set up to be 44 points. But earlier in the week, I did say that the game was going to be a shootout. And I was right about that. So I'll take credit for that. But, yeah, you know, we could be very well looking at a division where the worst team might finish 8-8. Eight and eight. and to have a whole division where everyone finishes at 500 or better really goes to show the overall talent that's just in that division. And Arizona still has a couple, you know, they still have another season or two to go to really develop. But when they do, oh, I, I really do think they're going to be one hell of a team. It, they're, they're almost there, just not quite yet. And I'm very happy they're not there yet. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, definitely, like you said, the worst team could be possibly 500. So it's it's just it's going to be a battle. Each game, each divisional matchup is going to be a battle. You know, uh, that's definitely would be suitable for Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football, like we just saw. I think each of these divisional matchups has the potential to be flexed into a primetime game. So it's it, it's definitely something to keep an eye on as these quarterbacks continue to develop, as their coaches continue to you know get 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 better and feel more comfortable it's going to be it's going to be a battle speaking of quarterbacks you know the 49ers quarterback our quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo and newly acquired wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders they seem to be really clicking uh through two games uh I read yesterday that Emmanuel Sanders in two games has already topped Dante Pettis's stats of the whole year and that's no slight against Dante at all he's still growing he's still coming into his own finding his place in this offense I think it just speaks to how how well of a wide receiver, how experienced Emmanuel Sanders is, that he can come in, pick up the offense right away. Uh, it's a similar offense to what he ran in Denver. We know that their offensive coordinator was the 49ers uh, quarterback's coach last year, uh, Rick Scangarello. So it, it just speaks to that. But my question is, it hasn't even been two full weeks that they've been together on a calendar, and they're already kind of really, really clicking. What do you think their ceiling together is, Anthony? Daniel Sanders and Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, what we've seen in two games with them, those two guys, I really hope the Niners bring him back. I think that having that veteran presence as a wide receiver, having that playoff pedigree that he does, understanding what the Niners are going through, understanding that even if the whole offense hasn't really required wide receivers – that Sanders is going to need to step up when his time comes is almost something that you hardly ever see in the NFL, especially after a trade like that. And the fact that these two are playing like they've been playing together for years, 
goes to show one again how uh just how well developed Emmanuel Sanders is both as a player and a person and two how prepared Garoppolo is to make anything happen with what's in front of him I don't think it's a matter of Garoppolo really not trusting his other receivers per se I just think that Garoppolo has a more capable target in Emmanuel Sanders because the wide receivers haven't really gotten the chance to perform this season obviously the passing game hasn't really been called on but you have a game like last night where Bourne catches a touchdown, Pettis catches a touchdown, even if it's wide open, and obviously Sanders catches a touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo can make anything happen with anyone. But the fact that he's doing it so easily with Sanders just shows how lethal these two can be in the early stages of what looks like a really special relationship. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on the fact that I hope that they bring him back. Uh, when he was originally traded for, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, he's just a rental for the second half of the season. He's just uh, a tool to help the 49ers get into the playoffs and possibly to the Super Bowl. But from what we've seen thus far in two games, he was the missing piece of this 49ers offense and arguably the whole team. Uh, because, you know, the 49ers offense extends drives, they stay on the field longer, thus keeping the defense off the field, letting them rest, letting them get some fresh, fresh legs and catch their breath. So he arguably improved this whole team just by being on the field, just by being clutch, catching passes, doing his job, essentially. So I really, really do hope that they bring him back. As far as their ceiling, um, I think it's, it's sky high. And I, there's, they haven't given me any reason to believe anything else. He is just a, a, a hell of a wide receiver. He's a consummate professional. He comes in every day. You know, he's very well spoken, and he, he he seems like he's very very determined to make things work. And coming from a very very poor season and that the Denver Broncos are having right now, uh, from from what John Elway, the, the general manager of the Denver Broncos, said, it didn't sound like it was a, a pleasant exit for him. It didn't sound like it was uh, something that was, you know, no hard feelings type. It definitely sounded like there was some hard feelings involved. So he's very eager and very, very grateful to be here in San Francisco. And I think he's ready to get to work. And that's exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo needs. And not only that, but the whole wide receivers room needs that. They're young guys. Kittle was saying it himself last night. You know, you got young guys. You got Dante. You got Debo. You got Kendrick Bourne. And, you know, Marquise Goodwin is the, the veteran of this entire wide receivers room. And no slight against Marquise Goodwin at all. The guy is a hell of a receiver, but he's no Emmanuel Sanders. And like I said before, that just speaks to Emmanuel Sanders and how good of a talent he is. And it doesn't knock anybody else. So I think this, the, the potential is sky high. The guy could come in here and he's he's the wide receiver one that the 49ers need. He's not your prototypical wide receiver one, at least now at this stage in his career. He's not going to come out here and, uh, you know, on any team get you a 1,000 yards, uh, 1,500 yards receiving. However, he's the exact receiver the 49ers need. Um, wrapping it up here, we're going to go ahead and move into our RGS mailbag. And uh, let's see, our first question here is from Natalie Ray, who is uh, one of our more faithful supporters. So we appreciate you, Natalie. Uh, that Her question is, the 49ers had eight penalties against the Cardinals. They haven't had more than four penalties in a game since week three. The defense and the running game were, you know, really, really minor compared to Jimmy's passing game. Would you say that that was mainly due to the short week and lack of preparation time and practice, or was there something else at play? I think when you mix in the fact that they had a short week, they barely had time to prepare, that's a huge factor. But also, too, when you're playing a pretty dynamic offense, you tend to try and get away with a little bit more, and I don't blame them. But I thought the officiating crew last night was not the best. There were a couple questionable calls that I really didn't like. One in particular was the face mask that was on Fred Warner. I didn't think that was a face mask. I mean, what, he had a finger in there, like the tip of his finger, the teeny tip. And then there was a missed face mask call on Richie James on a return. And I'm just thinking, like, this dude dragged his whole mask down with him as James is going down. But the only reason it wasn't cold is because... 
uh, Richie James's head didn't really turn. So naturally, the refs are going to blow it and miss it. But I digress. I think overall, the team just coming in on a short week, being clearly exhausted, having to just, you know, prepare as fast as they did. I I kind of will cut them a little bit of slack, but it is a little concerning to see as many turnovers as they had that night. But I won't link into it too much. I think this season as a whole, the team is very well coached. The team is well prepared. And I think that we won't see an eight penalty game from the Niners again. But throughout the season, I think we will see a four to five penalty, maybe six penalty game at least one point or the other. But again, the team is well coached. The team is very well disciplined. And coming in on a short week when these dudes are already exhausted, man, I don't blame them. So I will cut them some slack, and I do think that uh, the team can definitely clean it up in the ten a ten day uh, ten day off stretch where they get a lot of rest. Yeah, I agree with you there that the short week definitely has a lot to do with it. Um, they only had one practice in between the Carolina Panthers game and then the Thursday night game in Arizona. Um, so they're, they're probably exhausted. Their bodies were exhausted. They didn't get the normal time to prep mentally and physically. So that definitely goes into all of it. And I'm just going to come out here and say it. I honestly think they overlooked this Cardinals team a little bit. I think they came off of uh, a really big win against a team that they were probably mentally preparing to be a lot tougher than they, they proved to be on, on last Sunday against the Panthers. And they're probably thinking, man, this little Cardinals team, we, we we won't even have to really do anything. We're only having one practice as it is, you know, so obviously, you know, we feel okay going into it. I think they honestly looked looked them over a little bit. And I think it was obvious on the field the way the defense was playing. So, and as far as the offense, the running game kind of not really, really hitting on all cylinders like they have all season that could factor into it, but I also, you know, this was a pretty good Carolina Panth, or sorry, pretty good Arizona Cardinals defense that I think is, is underrated for the most part. So it, you could argue both of them factored into play. However, I think it's the running game that usually travels regardless of how many days practice, uh, how many, you know, where, where you're playing, when you're playing. So you could argue that that was more of a factor that they were playing a, a good run defense than they had a short week. Um, and the last question we're going to have here is from Richie on Twitter. And he said that school, Justin School, who's filling in, uh, had been relatively, you know, really, really good. And he says that he was very, very uh, bad, especially run blocking last night. What do you think of that? Do you think that he was bad against, uh, you know, the the Cardinals? Uh, I don't think so. You know, Justin School is one of those guys, even though obviously he's a rookie and he's a backup. From what I've seen this season, I think he'll have a really good run block attempt and then have a not so good run block attempt. And the same goes for pass pro too. Uh, the guy isn't exactly mechanically sound yet. He has some nice finesse to his game. He also has some nice power to his game. But I don't think he's the complete package yet. He still has a lot of kinks and other nicks and knacks to work on from the offensive line position, especially as a tackle. But I digress. He has been playing very well all season. And speaking of Justin School, too, we also got to talk about Daniel Brunskill real quick. I think in the last three or four games he's played, he hasn't given up a single penalty. So the fact that we have two really inexperienced tackles playing their asses off goes to show, one, offensive line coach John Benton knows what the hell he's doing, and two, these guys can really just step in and play their asses off. So I don't think Justin School has been bad, but... I think it is noticeable when he isn't doing his assignment properly. And with how bad the run defense or the run uh the run attack was last night, I will say that uh Justin School did not have one of his good games. I'll say that. But for the most part he's been better more often than not. Yeah, uh my answer to that question would be who did have a good game in run protection and run blocking. Um I don't think anybody really did for the most part. Uh, you could argue that he had 
maybe a worse game than other 49ers linemen. However, that's that that's understandable given his his you know stature with the team and his inexperience. So I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. Uh, leading going into to Thursday night, I saw on Twitter. This is per uh, Glenn Glenn Naughton. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, out of the 28 rookie offensive linemen who have played over 300 snaps this season, only three have earned a grade of average or better, and that's per Pro Football Focus. And that is center Eric McCoy, guard Dalton Reisner, and none other than Justin School. So he has played, like like Richie said, really, really well up until this point in the season. And, you know, when when, when first when Joe Staley went out and then McGlinchey went out, the 49ers were saying, this team is screwed. There's no way they can overcome this. There goes, you know, a couple games here or there that they're going to lose strictly because of that. And they, they, they've been able to, to overcome that. And they've been able to keep Jimmy upright for the most part. So I thought that was pretty great. Um, and I, I, I think this team, you know, this, the, just like the potential between Emmanuel Sanders and Jimmy Garoppolo, this team's potential is, is sky high. Um, they can go as far as they're willing to go. I think they're their own. The only team that can stop this team is themselves. So as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot, as long as they don't get in their own way with dumb penalties, or you know whatever it may be, I think they're they're very very capable of of you know winning each and every game. Like we've said, each game is a winnable game, and the 49ers have proved that thus far. Wrapping it up here, I have one last question for you: Who do you feel was the MVP for the 49ers uh, Thursday night against the Cardinals? A lot of people will say Jimmy Garoppolo, but I I got to roll with Emmanuel Sanders, and here's why. The fact that the dude is playing in this offense and playing on this team, like he's been with the team his whole career, is something I would have never thought when he came in. I didn't expect Sanders to have a 100-yard game, a touchdown catch in uh, his second game as a Niner. And the dude is just playing lights-out football. So the fact that we're getting this with a guy who has very little experience playing with Jimmy Garoppolo just goes to show that this guy is going to be probably one of the best wide receivers in the league for the second half of the season. And I think I'm going to call that shot now, too. I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be one of the hottest wide receivers to close out the season. He just, even when he draws as much attention as he does, he'll still catch a ball. He might not be the deep threat that he once was, but that doesn't excuse his uh, his awesome football play. The guy is a baller. The guy has the pedigree of uh, ballness. <laughs> if you will, and he can just – he plays very good football. And for that, he gets my MVP vote. <laughs> I was expecting you to say he has a, a degree in ballology or something like that, man. Um, you know, you said a lot of people would choose Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're damn right I'm one of those people. It, it, it starts and ends with a quarterback. Uh, so I think Jimmy Garoppolo, he came out. He had arguably his best game as a 49er, arguably the best game in his entire career. So, um, you know, 315 yards, 317 yards, four touchdowns, 92.1 quarterback rating, and completing 75, almost 76% of passes. I mean, it's just, it, it was, it was ridiculously good of a, of a game for him. And it was great to see. So I think, you got to go with Jimmy Garoppolo and some of the throws he was making granted, you know, it, it's, it's a two man, th- two man game, two man dance for um, throwing and catching obviously. But some of the throws he was, he was, he was making, man, like I said, you'd have to have, you'd have to be a double WR amputee in order to not catch those. Uh, he was putting it, you know, within inches, centimeters of your arm. So just, they were perfectly timed, perfectly pl- placed throws that you just couldn't have asked for a better better game from Jimmy Garoppolo and hopefully you know we see it again Monday night against against the Seahawks um that's gonna do it for us tonight guys uh we'll 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 see you one more time before uh the Seahawks game so we're not gonna get into score predictions or anything like that we'll 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 record one more before that we'll give you our our preview so hopefully um we don't have any any sort of bad news between now and then if not you'll you'll hear from us for the Seahawks preview I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. And hey, you know what? If you guys are liking liking what you're hearing so far from the Red and Gold Standard podcast, you know, do us a huge solid and you know, not only follow us on Twitter at RGS Pod, but leave us a review. 
you know, let people know what you, what you think of us, uh, what, what you like of us. And even if there's something that you don't like, let us know. We can work on it. You know, we're here for the faithful. We're here for the fans. So, you know, be honest with us and let us know what you guys are think. Anthony and I, um, and Stefan and Steve and, and behind the scenes, you know, we're, we're doing all we can to make sure we put out a really, really high quality product. So from the bottom of our heart, we want to thank you guys for all of your support thus far. Uh, I think through, through six episodes, we are six episodes. We really, really do appreciate it, guys. Um, that's it for me. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hernan and our podcast at RGS Pod. Um, everybody, hope you have a, a good couple of days till we hear from you again. Anthony, go ahead and let the fellas know where they can find you. As is the norm, always on Twitter. That's my main form of social media. Uh, the handle, Perry underscore 49ers. That's Perry, P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49 E-R-S. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys.